You're listening to Mindset, a podcast about mental health by Sheffield Health and Social Care NHS Foundation Trust. My name's Charlie Hawkins. I'm an assistant psychologist working within Sheffield Eating Disorder Service. This is Beach Body Ready. With our culture in general, you know, we have such a focus on our bodies and how we look and our perceptions of ourselves. You know, we see it in the media, we see it in newspapers, we see it on billboards, we see it on social media, we see it on everything we kind of look at. Um, and it's almost like that our the way we look is so intrinsically tied to our value in life, you know. And I think there's no one I think who listens to this podcast or listens anywhere or you know anywhere in the world who is 100% completely satisfied with their body. You know, and that's, I think that's just a fact. And I think that when you compare yourself to other people all the time in comparison to people who have that kind of unattainable body type, you know, whether it's through plastic surgery or whether it's from just genetics, you know, you somehow think that because they're more valuable than you because they look in a certain way. And I think that's really sad that we kind of are conditioned to think like that. Um, and once you kind of get into that cycle of, of thought that, you know, I need to look a certain way to be valued in life, I need to look a certain way to be um, liked by people in general, then it can it can spiral quite easily, as you can probably imagine. I guess that's when we're, where sort of you can get into that cycle of eating disorders, where um, you know you might start to diet a little bit because you think, well, if I lose some weight, then I'll look better and I'll be more valued by the people and I'll be more important. Um, the more you restrict your diet, you know, we talk about these starvation symptoms, which can affect the way that you think and the way that you feel. Um, that then leads to you feeling worse about yourself because. You know, you're not getting the energy that your body needs. Your brain needs to sort of think clearly and think, you know, think in logical ways, uh, which is then in turn going to lead to more restriction, feeling worse about yourself, comparing yourself more, more restriction, and that's where that kind of cycle of eating disorders can really get a hold of you. I don't, I don't ever want to say that someone has gotten an eating disorder specifically from social media because obviously everyone has experienced dependent on lots of different factors, but I think seeing being exposed to that so accessibly and so much, it, it creates an atmosphere which will allow problems with your eating, problems with food, um, well, problems with your body, ergo problems with food and problems with your eating to really flourish, you know, and almost like a greenhouse, you know, a bit of a greenhouse effect. Putting yourself on social media is obviously going to give you opportunity to be judged and be criticised and you can obviously put a lot of onus on the amount of likes you get on a photo and whether that's acceptable and whether that's you know good enough and the interesting thing about these things um, and especially eating disorders is that they will always move the goalposts you know so um, we do it all the time in our in our lives but eating disorders do this all the time where you say I guess they use the example of likes on a photo they'll say 50 likes and that's good that's really really good then one day you might get 50 likes you could maybe you've lost six kilograms and people are congratulating you on losing all that weight um, not realizing the harm that's that's doing by putting more value on that weight loss and you go okay this time out actually 50 is not that much 100 likes and that's much better and that translates into um, into eating and losing weight as well you know if I just lost five kilograms I, I, I would be perfect I'd look exactly like I want to you lose the five kilograms and you go the eating disorder can shift that and say five more kilograms and then I'll be happy An eating disorder is 
anything that's sort of categorized as, I know it sounds obvious, but disordered eating, you know, um, where that can be that can come in a lot of different forms. So um, the the main ones that lots of people have heard of are things like anorexia nervosa, um, bulimia nervosa. Um, so anorexia nervosa is characterized by restriction of diet, restricting your intake. Um, but whereas bulimia nervosa can be characterized by um, restricting your intake, leading to uh, what we would call a binge, so eating lots of food all at once, um, and then uh, in some way to try and what we call a purge, purging that out. So that might be through vomiting, that might be through taking laxatives, something like that. Uh, and there are lots of other different types of eating disorders and different categories and subcategories, but they're the, the two main ones that we would see in, 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 our, in our service in Sheffield eating disorders. Um, I think with bulimia nervosa, that kind of cycle is so um, self-reinforcing, you know, so our bodies naturally need lots of energy, don't they? They need energy, um, they need food, calories, that's kind of the measurement of energy. Um, and when we don't get that, then lots of different things can happen to us. You know, we, we lose weight, that's number one, whilst our body burns um, fat stores and muscle stores and things like that. But then at the same time, because our body's not getting the energy that we need, we um, uh, the parts of our body that aren't essential to us literally surviving, heart beating, lungs breathing, um, they basically get less energy. So um, the way your, sort of, the, your emotions can start to become much more difficult to manage and, and, and handle, um, the way that you think is going to be a lot less clear because you're just not getting this energy that you need. Um, and lots of different things can happen. And we call those starvation symptoms um, and total starvation syndrome. And it was all found out from an interesting study in the 1940s where um, conscientious objectors to World War II um, were given the option of either prison or um, taking part in this study and they basically had their diets restricted um, to about a third of what they would normally have so sort of healthy young men would have their diets reduced to about a third of what should be normally administered and um, they found all these different symptoms these guys started to experience and the most interesting one and it comes under with anorexia and bulimia um, was that they found that these guys started having a massive preoccupation with food and they started to become obsessed with the idea of food. They would either eat really, really fast to kind of uh, get it all in as fast as possible or they would eat really, really slowly to save every bite of whatever they had. Um, and that really perpetuates a lot of eating disorders. You know, if imagine if you're trying to avoid food at all costs and then all you can think about is food. You know, you think, oh, I'm so greedy, I'm awful, I'm this, I'm that. You know, and that's really what can perpetuate these, these eating disorders. Red flag would definitely be thinking about food all the time if you're on a diet and starting to think though, you know, having those thoughts about, you know, negative towards yourself because at the end of the day, food is, is fuel, it's medicine, it's what we need. We need it to literally survive. It's not bad, you know, there's no such thing as a bad food. And that's something that, again, I think a lot of, um, I guess, more recent media and things have peddled. You know, there are these there's good foods and there's bad foods and you should avoid the bad foods and always have the good foods. But actually, you know, eating is so much more than just good and bad foods. It's you know, there's no such thing as a bad food, it's just bad diets, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, and I guess that would be a really big red flag is when you start, we start thinking about food as being something that's negative or something that's bad for us, you know, even though we need it to survive. I think with a lot of eating disorders and all sort of mental health conditions, it comes on a spectrum. Um, I think a lot of people can have very unhealthy relationships with food, definitely. Um, I guess when it gets into kind of low and, and high level eating disorders, it's much more tricky 
to, to say that. Um, a lot of eating disorders can be perpetuated by the idea that we're not unwell enough yet to seek treatment. So a lot of people might think, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not nearly as unwell as, you know, what you would imagine someone who has anorexia would look like. Um, you know, I'm not nearly as unwell as that, so I don't need to seek help just yet. And um, one of the other assistant psychologists here said something really interesting to me um, a while ago where he said, um, uh, you don't have to wait for your house to burn down to put out the fire. You know, you don't have to wait for things to be as bad as they get before you seek help for it. And so, um, like all services in, in the Trust, we work on a tiered system. We have um, a sort of a, a sister organisation, as they call it, called um, SAIDA, which stands for South Yorkshire Eating Disorder Association, which works with a different type of people, which, you know, um, again, nothing on the sort of severity of eating disorders, but it's all about the sort of help and what what we would do with people versus what they would do with people. I've had a few conversations with people that um, I've um, done one-to-one -one work with myself or who are in our day service. And uh, interestingly, I asked them this question, you know, I, I asked them, um, what would you want people to know about treatment now that you're in treatment? And, you know, what, did, what are your expectations? And interestingly, a lot of them said things like, we weren't expecting treatment to actually I guess be empathetic or be, you know, um, I guess compassionate. They're kind of expecting something very cold, something very clinical, you know, it might have been, I don't know, men in white lab coats sitting there and, you know, you all eating in unison, high calorie, tasteless paste. I don't know, I don't know, that's maybe an exaggeration, but like, um, but that's what they kind of expected, something to be very cold, very clinical, very just like, you know, to the point. And I was saying they weren't actually expecting people to be people, I guess, is the, is the, is the honest point. Um, and I guess treatment is really hard. You know, that, that, that is a fact, you know, treatment for eating disorder is hard because at the end of the day, we're asking you to do something which is the scariest thing possible. We're asking people to face, you know, a, a massive fear of theirs. Um, but when they start undergoing treatment, a lot of people find that once those sort of starvation symptoms start to alleviate, once the, the, the changes start to affect their lives in a more positive way, they start to realise kind of what has been the eating disorder has been lying to them for so long and been, um, I guess, limiting them in their lives so much um, that now it's preferable to be recovered than it is to be in this eating disorder. So at Sheffield Eating Disorder Service, we work with people um, uh, from 16 up. So we're a bit different from a lot of um, services in the trust who work with 18 plus. So we're technically an adult service, but we work from 16 up. Um, so. We work in the community, so we work with, um, with a lot of different things, so mostly with outpatients, we would call it. Um, so we work with one-to-one -one therapies, we do um, um, different types of what's called cognitive behavioural therapy, we do um, other things called mantra, they're all different types of therapies that work for work with eating disorders. Um, we also have an um, outpatient called day service, where, um, where clients can come in to the service, so into St George's where we are, now and um, be supported with group therapies. We can um, support with um, supported meal times. So we have um, morning snacks. Uh, we have uh, lunch times. We have afternoon snacks. And the purpose of the day service really is to kind of get into that kind of pattern of just what's like what's normal eating, you know. So a lot of people expect the day service to be something like a, a regimented diet program of you know high calorie foods, but it's not that at all. It's much more like about you know what we would have normally, you know, whether that's beans on toast, it's a sandwich, it's a sandwich and some crisps and a drink, um, it can be half a pizza, it can be anything, you know, just what we would consider normal 
eating uh, rather than you know, anything particularly restricted or diet centric you know cognitive behavioral therapy is kind of the standard but we also do things like family-based therapy for um for younger people but um so cognitive behavioral therapy and therapy for eating disorders in general is what we would call change focused you know we want to focus on those making those changes to our diets and changes in our lives and to our routines that perpetuate eating disorders um, it's like i touched on a bit earlier um, starvation symptoms are so strong and they can be so pervasive in people's lives um, and one of the first things that i would do with someone in a session is go through the big list of them and say what are you experiencing and nine times out of ten people are checking off 10 15 of these symptoms and going i didn't realize this was likely all to do with kind of me not eating as much as i should be doing um, so the first few sessions that will always happen is kind of getting into those changes and making sure that we're um, eating more regularly and um, getting the nutrition that our body needs before we can start working on kind of um, more, uh, I guess, perpetuating things. So it might be the, the body image um, sort of uh, difficulties that we might be having or maybe um, some sort of bad sort of past experiences with food or with, um, with weight or with body image or something like that. So that's kind of where... Um, eating disorder treatment would really start with what we call change focused. Um, but with, uh, with families, it's a similar thing. So that's again with, with younger younger people, maybe 16 to, I think it might be 25. Um, but they, that's put some much more of an onus on kind of the family system working together to sort of fight this eating disorder. And it's really important that we kind of distinguish the person from the eating disorder. We always refer to the eating disorder as in a sort of third person way. So um, if someone might be struggling to eat something, we might say, you know, the eating disorder must be giving you a really hard time for that. Because it's really important, I guess, to distinguish between the person. You know, the person themselves wants to eat this thing. They want to actually do this. But the eating disorder is so strong and so powerful for some people that it just sort of overrides it. Um, it can be such a bully to people and so horrible to people that, it, you know, it's almost preferable to just not eat than it is to get um, sort of abused by this eating disorder. If you're having any struggles with eating or with any thoughts about food in a, in a negative way or yourself in a negative image, you know, your body image or anything like that, then there is there is help out there. Um, so um, the instant port of call can always be at your GP. They can always give you some support with that. But also there's, there's a lot of resources online um, that you can access. Um, a really, really good one online is something called Beat Eating Disorders. Um, it's uh, normally on, on Google, it's beat-ed, and they've got, they're, they're a national uh, charity uh, supporting people with eating disorders. They have a helpline, they also have a wealth of different resources there. Um, you can also self-refer, if you're in South Yorkshire, to SAIDA, um, so that stands for South Yorkshire Eating Disorders Association. Um, and if you're under 18, you can also self-refer to us at Sheffield Eating Disorder Service. Um, but otherwise, your GP can refer you here. As I said, lots of resources online and there is always help out there and support if you need it. You've been listening to Mindset by Sheffield Health and Social Care NHS Foundation Trust. You can find out more about us at shsc.nhs.uk. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time.